What's up, everybody? My name is Joe Shaw, and I am an ally of the LGBTQ community and the host of the Out and Proud podcast, a Fidelity Pride production. This podcast allows members of the LGBTQ community the space and opportunity to share their coming out stories, both at Fidelity and in the whole wide world. Up today, I speak to Matt Brooks. Matt is a Fidelity employee who shares his coming out story and how he's been out uh, not just his entire time at Fidelity, but uh, he's kind of known this for most of his life. So it's a really great story. I think you're really going to enjoy it. So stick around. I'll be right back after this. Matt, thanks so much for swinging by out and proud today. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Nice. Uh, Well, I wanted to know if you could walk me through maybe the first time that you sort of came out to yourself. I guess maybe another way to phrase it would be the first time that you realized you were maybe different than what society had, quote unquote, at that time defined as normal male characteristics. Ooh, the first time. Probably early on, uh, <laughs> though not having the vocabulary or you know the thought process to really um, vocalize it, even to myself in my own head, like we're not really knowing. But I definitely realized early on that I had some different likes, and by early on I mean like elementary school age. Okay. Like I had some different interests than sure. my peer group that I saw. Um, I was never really a big. Uh, I mean, he's a lot of a lot of typical stereotypical (laughs) masculine uh, phrases here. I was never really into sports. Mm -hmm. I wasn't uh, really all that into um, spending time with other guys, like hanging out and getting dirty or whatever. Like I'd much rather have been curled up with a book uh, or building something with my Lego. You knew I was going to get something about Lego in here uh, in the first 30 seconds, (laughs) Uh, you know, or just hanging out, um, you know, in the house uh, on the ranch that I grew up on. Uh, But no, I, yeah, probably very early on elementary school, Times I kind of realized when a lot of my peers were you know going to soccer practice or going to do sports of some kind right. or whatever, and I wasn't. I was hanging out with my best friend, Deanna, the girl that lived down the street, <laughs> right. and like we were playing board games and video games and stuff. Yeah, um, that had a lot more appeal to me and just hanging out with her sure. than anything that you know my my supposed peer group was doing. Right. And so I think, you know, and I, I, we were kind of chatting a little bit before you got started and about how those, those different interests are not something that defines one as gay, right? But it was right. at the time, some stereotypical type things that maybe kind of allowed people to think one thing of you that later turned out to be true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, thinking like way back into <laughs> the 80s. Right, the way, How way long back. ago were those? Oh. Like, Grandpa, tell me about the good old days. <laughs> um, but no, back in the 80s, it definitely was a very different time frame in society in a different period. Right. And, you know, it was um, assumed, I think, a lot of times that if you, as uh, presenting as a male, uh, phrasing, you know, terminology we right. didn't even use or didn't right. even have a concept of, but right. if you looked like a guy, you should be doing guy things. And if you weren't doing guy things, things, then were you really a guy right? kind of thing. Yep. And, um, you know, now society, people, we've all kind of, the, the conversation has evolved quite a bit and we start to identify and realize, hey, that doesn't necessarily, you know, it doesn't define 
who you are or doesn't mean a one-to-one re- uh, uh, connection because right. you do X, you are Y. Right. Um, and uh, it's interesting to me as I look back and I think about how um, you know my parents reacted to me sure. and the things that I did or didn't do or didn't want to do. Um, a little background on my family. My parents started very young. Um, they had my sister. She's three years older than me. They had her when my dad was 18, 19. <laughs> my mom was 21. Really? I came along, or 22. Uh, I came along three years later. Okay. Um, and so my sister and I always had very young parents. Like, you know, when my, sure. when my sister turned 18, my dad was 36. Wow. Uh, to put that into perspective, wow. oh, that, yeah, that, that, yeah, yeah. Think about your yeah. own, your own yes, kids yes, and yes, your yes. age and like, stuff. Oh, and, oh no! Um, you know, I every year I have a every year I have a birthday. I think about well, oh, and my dad was my age. You know, I turned forty-one this year, and my dad was forty-one. He had like a twenty. Yeah. One year old right. and and a nineteen year old, oh, and man. I'm trying to keep two cats alive. Right. Like, um, so, but I think that may have, you know, even though there wasn't the training or the knowledge or the understanding that we kind of have today mm-hmm. about LGBTQ and about different, you know, aspects of an individual, or uh, it wasn't as formalized, let's say, as it is now. I think my parents being younger um, helped me. In, in non-explicit ways uh, to really explore who I was going to be and who sure. I wanted to be. I mean, I know my dad would have preferred if I was into sports or doing some of the more masculine things. He was a metal worker. He was a blue-collar guy. Okay. Like He would yeah. want me out in the shop helping him, and I had clearly no <laughs> interest in doing any of the things that <laughs> right. he wanted me to be doing. Right. And I would escape and go read books um, constantly because I saw my mom reading all the time, and it instilled in me the want to read. Right. But... I never suffered for it. Like sure. I, my parents were always very supportive, no matter what I wanted to do. I mentioned earlier I, I grew up on a forty-acre ranch. We came from a farming community, a ranching community. I was in 4-H and FFA. I raised cows and plows and sows and sheep, and like we—that was my youth. That's how I grew up, getting up before school and going over to feed calves and stuff. So that's like the environment that I grew up in. Sure. But I was always supported by my parents no matter what crazy thing I wanted to do. Like mm-hmm. when I was a senior in high school and uh, a cousin of mine asked me to dance a nutcracker with her. And so I went, my senior year of high school, I went and I did it. I loved it. And immediately right after nutcracker, I started taking ballet classes. And I danced ballet for 10 years. Wow. Um, and I still dabble a little bit. <laughs> um, but like my parents were right there every year, every yeah. show. My mom and my dad for the first couple of years um, were there <laughs> watching shows and supportive. Like even though I don't think my dad quite understood what was going on, <laughs> yeah. why his 18 his year old son wanted to do this, but they were there and they were supported uh, or supportive of me and my sister both and whatever crazy stuff we wanted to do. Right. And I, I think that was really, um, you know, looking back, hindsight's twenty twenty. that was really important in them giving me the space to explore these different things. Again, not necessarily consciously. It's just what they did um, as they were trying to figure things out and and make their way through life with these two children um, in tow. And I really can appreciate that now. It really helps me have that space and have that ability to figure things out. Right. And I think think you hit on a, a very important point where you talked about how because your parents were so young and they were just, they were just kind of working to keep two kids alive, right? And so they didn't have the space or the capacity to go, well, is this normal? Is this right? Is this, should he be interested in this or that? They were just like, cool, whatever you want to do, that's fine. We're uh, we're going to be over here 
working to keep you alive and also working because they were what, on the farm at that time, right? Is that well, they both worked off the ranch. Um, the, the ranch was really my grandparents' place. Okay, and and gotcha. by the time my sister and I came around, it wasn't really a production producing ranch. Okay. We were renting out most of it. But, but yeah, they were yeah. more focused on just basically hand to mouth, like just surviving and right. keeping a family going right. um, and, and keeping us above water. And so, yeah, I don't think they had a lot of opportunity for that reflection. Right. Um, and also, I don't think society demanded it of parents. I mean, yeah. I wasn't a parent, and I'm not now, but I just imagine looking back, I just don't know that that was really high in the social consciousness at the time. Right. But I still benefited from it. Yes. Like, I don't want to sound like I benefited from neglect, because trust me, no. it was not. <laughs> no. I was, right. I mean, no, I, no. Our parents really took care of us, and, yeah. and really, it, but it just gave that freedom and didn't try to force on me to be you know, a specific way or right. do a specific thing. Right. Um, so yeah, so that was kind of the early year. <laughs> um, but then, you know, I didn't really officially figure it out. I didn't really officially come out to myself, uh, as a gay man until summer after high school. Okay. So I had a couple of girlfriends during high school. Um, and, uh, believe it or not. And, um, <laughs> but the summer after high school was the first time I was, I was working over at the Napa County Fair actually. So I worked, um, I grew up showing at all the local county, the local fairs and stuff. But the summer after high school, I um, worked over at the Napa County Fair, working on the entertainment crew. Okay. Um, and I was actually finally around some openly gay people. Okay. Um, and it's kind of like a, a light clicked on. I don't know. I saw the rainbow light. Um, <laughs> I just I. Didn't exactly come screaming out of the closet, but I definitely had a nice escort out of the closet. Right. And uh, I figured it out. Things just kind of happened. They clicked. And I was like, all right, that's what's going on. Right. That's what's right. been happening. I mean, I've been questioning. I've had conversations with friends and my girlfriend and, you know, about, um, you know, different kind of experiences that we'd been through in, in our lives and stuff and what that meant. Uh, but it really kind of all came together that summer after high school. And, uh... It's actually really funny. The very first person I told when I came back, you know, from working that that week and a half at the fair, was my ex girlfriend. Like, I literally went to her house with, and, and her new boyfriend it was another friend of mine. Um, and we, like, I gotta tell you guys something. And like, we had this conversation, <laughs> and they're like very supportive, and yeah. and that's kind of emblematic of um, all of my experiences. Yeah really coming out. Um, so at 18 is when I started. That was, that was a little bit of time ago. Um, <laughs> I really haven't had any negative experiences. But I know I've been blessed because I know right. there's not many that have that. Um, I actually have a really funny coming out story. It was probably the following year. Um, we were doing an activity. Uh, it was, it was I think, at a junior college. And it was with my friend Christy. And um, I wanted to tell her, but I didn't know how to tell her. <laughs> and we were driving home from this activity, and I was getting up the courage to tell her I was driving. Uh, and uh, apparently, as I was trying to get up the courage and getting more and more nervous, I was driving faster and faster <laughs> and faster. <laughs> and the CHP, California Highway Patrol, clocked me doing 80 in a 65 zone <laughs> going down Highway 101. Um, so that kind of put the halt to that conversation. Um, but it was that was probably the only semi-negative experience I've had in attempting <laughs> to tell somebody. Right. Um, but outside of that, no, it's all been um, very positive. Yeah. I, I've had some very positive atmospheres throughout. Um, towards the tail end of high school, I think my sophomore year, junior year, I started working in a restaurant because I wanted that skill set of waiting tables and stuff. And there were some people there that kind of helped me figure out who, you know, some of the other wait staff helped me figure out who I wanted to be or, or how to be 
a, a man, right. a gay man, um, and what it meant, and you know things to think about, and just kind of I, I had a lot of really good influences sure. over uh, my formative years, you know, my late teens and into my twenties, um, really helping me navigate the world as as a gay person, which I've always been very grateful for. And I think it's so key that you talked about the fact that when you got around people, other people who were openly gay, that was the moment when you were starting to put the pieces together, right? And so I think that's why you see, you're starting to see, it's even though it's 2019, there's still not as much as there should be, but a lot more diversity with regards to all kinds of media or, you know, if there's advertising or just interactions or books. And the, and the fact that you have a book, for instance, where there are, like I was looking at a book the other day where this kid has two dads, but it's not about, an education book. It's about this girl who's a protagonist and she just happens to have two dads. And it's it's finding a way to normalize all different types of people and situations and behaviors so that way somebody can start to put the puzzle pieces together of, oh, this is me. This is who I am. And then we can start to get the conversation ab- around to how, you know, it's not the fact that you're a gay man. It's you're a man who happens to be gay. Right. Yeah. It's it's very much like it's it's kind of an old maxim to the community, but it's very true and still resonates. Visibility matters. Right. And all visibility matters, but some visibility can resonate more and be more impactful. And particularly, a, a great it's a great term, like you said, uh, normalized right. normalized visibility. So like the focus of the story is not that it's two gay guys raising a little girl. It's, it's, right. it's the focus of the story is the girl. It's right. it's about her, but she just happens to have, you know. Two dads. dads. Um, You see it with kids today. Like, you know, um, Susie, little Susie knows that Jimmy has two moms and doesn't care because it's not abnormal as far as she's concerned. Right. It's just that's who Jimmy has and he's got two parents that cares for him or one parent or whatever. Right. It's, It's definitely very evident that the more we get that out there, the more that we as a community can see that somebody's sexuality is just an aspect mm-hmm. of who they are. Right. And it's not, um, you know, it's not their nece- necessarily their defining characteristic. Now, we all come out in our own way. We all come out and have our own journey. For some of us, you know, sometimes um, it is your defining characteristic, maybe because you're rebelling back or pushing back against negative influences in your life or negative experiences. And it's how you decide. And that works for you. That's right. great. There's a place for that. And that's important. Those are the people that get s done right. when it comes yeah. to society yeah. that are loud and yeah. proud and right. you know in your face and like they're out there fighting for all of our rights right. but it's also important to see people who um aren't necessarily as overt like they just they're living themselves right. and who they are and that's how i think of myself like i i do identify as a gay man um but i more think of it as a man who happens to be gay. Like it's as much a part of my personality as the fact that I have cats or I play with Lego or that right. you know, I have a sister or a yeah. nephew. It's just a part of all of the everything that makes up who I am. It's not necessarily my defining characteristic. Right. Absolutely. And, and I know that you had touched on the fact that since you came out, you have your entire professional career, you've been out. Right. right. And so I want to know, I want to touch briefly on, so 
your have you been at fidelity your entire professional career or uh, most i've of been it? fidelity adjacent my entire okay. professional <laughs> okay. career uh, so i've been at fidelity proper for 15 years now i came to the company in um 2003 is that right math oh yeah. I, well this is my 16th year yeah. this december will be my anniversary so kind of fresh out of high school i actually started working for um an advisor okay in my local hometown that worked for one of our clients. And so, you know, right on the time, right out of high school, you know, yeah, yeah. I, um, that following summer in June, I <laughs> put the pieces together right. and the following April or May uh, is when I started with him. So I had gone through this metamorphosis and, you know, I, by that point I was like, yep, this is who I am. Yeah. And that's how I presented myself, sure. you know, and it, and I, in my professional life, I've never made any like real declarative statements, like walked up to a company or a job or whatever, like, I'm gay. It's right. like, I just am who I am. Yep. Um, and again, I've been lucky in that I've been accepted. So when I started working for him, I worked with, with him uh, in his local office all the way through college. I was on the five-year plan. Um, so all the way through college. And then after I graduated <laughs> the following year, he was kind of moving his business to New York. I went to the home office down in LA. Um, and again, I just... Uh, this is who I am. Like right. at that point, I'm six years in. It's uh, it's not a phase. Uh, right. It's it is who I am, and that's just continued to follow me. Right. Um, again, never really made any declarative statements um, about it in an official business capacity, right. uh, but it is part of who I am. And I honestly, I really do think it's part of why I am successful. Um, my sure. approach to, and I'm, I'm in a client facing role. I've always been in client facing roles. Um, my approach to how I talk with clients and how I treat them and how I work with them, it's all directly informed by my own experiences, you know, growing up and, and becoming an adult. And, um, I'm very open. Um, you know, hopefully, you know, you can sense the humor. Uh, <laughs> I bring that humor yeah, to my yeah. professional self as well. Like right. I've never really felt like I was being grounded to the boot heel of the corporate hierarchy. Like, you know, you have to do this. Um, I've, I've always been able to be myself and I always have been myself and I've been successful because of it, not in spite of it. Right. Um, and that's something that, you know, I, I really value here at Fidelity where, I mean, it's, it's not just embraced, but it's, it's celebrated, right. it's encouraged, bring your authentic self. It's recognized by the entire organization. Um, and you know, you have the organization behind you and you have their support and right. that's been great. That's been really, really great. I've never, ever had an experience where I felt like I need to go and compartmentalize this piece of myself mm -hmm. and not bring it to the table. Right. Um, and that's always, that's been, again, I, I, I can't say it enough because I, I do feel like I have a little bit of an atypical experience all the way around, though I wish it wasn't true. Sure. Um, but I've just, I've been blessed, I guess, yeah. is the best way to put it, that Absolutely. I've been able to, to go that route. Absolutely. Well, Matt, before we wrap up, one last question I want to ask you is, sure. if there's somebody listening right now who is struggling with coming out, what advice would you give them? Hmm. I mean, I said it already. We all come out in our own way. Um, you be safe. So, you know, it's hard. Um, it can be hard. Uh, you feel like you're alone. You feel like you're the only one going through it. Um, hopefully if you've been listening to a couple of these, you realize that you're not, um, there's people here for you, but be safe and make smart choices. Um, you know, uh, regardless of where you are in life, young or old or in between, um, you just want to make sure that you um, are, are approaching it in a way that um, is not going to bring you any harm, whether self or caused by others. And know that, you know, we're here for you. 
you, your community. We are a community. There's people here for you. There's networks. There's, there's in the community, especially here in the Dallas area, there's a great community. Um, you know, people can help you. You don't have to go at it alone. And we'll be happy to help you. Uh, it's ultimately your decision, and you figure out how and what makes the most sense. But just, I know it may, especially if you're younger, it may feel like it. It's like, you're like, I need to do this, and I have to do it right now. As a rush, I have to get it done. Right. Just take the time. Yep. Really, really analyze it. You want to be your true authentic self. 1,000% support you in that. But you want to be smart about how you go about it. Right. Very good. Well, Matt, thank you for living out and proud. Thanks, Joe. If you would like to know more about how you can get started with Fidelity Investments today, go to fidelitycareers.com. That's fidelitycareers.com to get started on your Fidelity career today.